Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. Uh, welcome back to Discount Film School. I'm sitting down with uh, Lisa Vandiver, who um, uh, programs the festival that uh, that Sexually Frank got into uh, first. It was kind of um, our big uh, festival debut, and uh, it was a really fun festival. Uh, it The screenings took place at the um, Anthology Film Archive in New York City, and so we were able to get a big caravan of, uh, of people over there, and... Um, it was just a, a really fun night of film, and um, seemed like it was. Uh, we were surrounded by people who loved filmmaking, so I thought maybe it'd be fun to um, to sit down with Lisa. I I had another short that was uh, at that festival this year in uh, uh, 2013, and um, I kind of want to uh, I, I want to take a look at it and t- and just talk about the fest. Um, so thanks for joining. Absolutely, great to be here, and thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, so are, uh, one thing I don't know about you, are you a filmmaker? Do you make films? Um, not currently. Um, I have in the past, and that's one of the things that keeps bubbling on the back burner. Um, but I also find I get a lot of creative outlet out of producing the festival. Yeah. Um, curating is a lot like editing and bringing together all these different elements. And I really love just sort of discovering films and bringing them to a larger audience. Right. Know? Uh, did you, were you a big film watcher when you were a kid or? Um, not specifically. I sort of stumbled onto film school in college when I was casting about for a major, um, and had like a disastrous romance and it was university of Oregon and it was raining a lot. And I took a film class, film history class and realized that that was something I could actually study for a degree. And um, just really immersed myself from there and got one degree and then went on and got another basically unmarketable film degree, grad school. Yeah. So uh, discount film school. I like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, because I, you know, I went to film school, obviously. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of good reason to go. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good reason not to go. I mean, it's it's right. uh, it's one of those things that... Um, you know, it's more about the relationships you build, really, than it is the classes, per se. It, it also kind of it gives you an excuse um, to make movies in kind of a safe environment. That's what I've always told people. That's also what I've always heard, and I think it's completely true. Yeah. Um, th- there's really no such thing as failing too hard. In fact, you should be doing nothing but failing in, uh, in film school. <laughs> um, fa- fa- failing for an affordable uh, amount. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a place to try new things and aesthetic styles. And I think there's so much pressure on producing that calling card film and maxing out your credit cards. Right, um, right. And I almost I think that, that that notion of the of the calling card film is almost completely gone at this point. Yeah, probably. I think it was a it was a big thing when, you know, it was like, all right, well, you're you're eventually someday going to um, you're going to have to earn a bunch of money. Uh, or raise a bunch of money to make your big feature, um, or you're going to need to be able to to go to a studio with something in hand that says, "Hey, if I can do this for free, or I can do this for uh, the amount that I did it for, imagine what I could do with your money." Uh, but I, I I just don't you know th- there there was recently um, 
Steven Soderbergh recently did a, this big state of cinema address to everybody. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? Um, I read parts of the transcript. It's yeah, it was it, to look at. It's it's this nice breakdown of like basically you have to gross 165 million <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> to to cover the costs of release because people still haven't figured out how to uh, keep the costs of releasing a film down. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you might think, well, okay, well then. Uh, if I can just keep the budget low, then I'll be at pro- profit a lot faster. But the reality is, is that movies made for five million dollars never reach one hundred and sixty million dollars. But movies made for a hundred million dollars reach three hundred million dollars all the time. So it's 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 a it's a big movie market. It's it's the market is for Alice in Wonderlands and for Iron Man's, and um, everybody right. else has a has a shot on Netflix um, and mm-hmm. should probably be funding themselves. And you know it's. I, sometimes I worry that people um, still think that, that that a movie should cost a lot of money. And that was one of the things I really loved about Cinekink was almost every – none of those films uh, were putting on air uh, airs. Uh, they were all trying uh, – they were all being completely themselves, which is completely thematic with the idea of open sexuality and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's really about self-expression and getting your view out there. Right. So do you, uh, you, you, you come out of film school and you go, okay, uh, you know, do I make films? Do I produce films? Are you at a crossroads at that point? Um, after film school, well, film school, grad school took a while. Um, and actually I came from, um, my undergrad was University of Oregon and it was this great environment where basically we watched films and went out for drinks afterwards and talked about them and it was very convivial. And I loved it. And then got into grad school where suddenly there were all these political factions and, mm. you know, academicians versus practitioners. And um, it just, I was on the um, PhD track and sort of bailed and got my MFA um, and realizing that I really liked producing and that's what I wanted to do. Right. Um, or making films. I wish there had been more of an emphasis on producing in film school. It's all about directing. Yeah. Uh, so everyone has to be the auteur, where I've sort of found my skill is really producing and bringing together the elements and not necessarily having a particular story that I want to tell, but want to facilitate other people's stories. Yeah, I finished my MFA last year and uh-huh. it, it was at Emerson. And yeah. um, their whole thing is like, so in undergrad, you know, you can have a, a concentration because right. you're you're sort of trying to learn a trade and you can go out to Los Angeles and hopefully, you know, say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have a BA in this concentration in, in cinematography, let's say, but, um, okay. but for the MFA, they're saying, no, no, you're coming to this program to contribute to the field of cinema. Um, mm-hmm. you're coming to make your film, but it gets real hairy around that point because mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, su- suppose I, you know, in, in the case of vibes, which screened at your fest, um, I wasn't the, the director, but mm-hmm. I was sort of the facilitator of the entire thing. It, it, it was still my film as much as it was anybody else's. Um, right. Could I not turn that in for a thesis? I couldn't. Is is the is the truth? Um, oh. Could I write something and have someone direct it and and call it my movie? No. no. So, um, but could I direct somebody else's script? I don't think they would have le- uh, allowed that either. I think it was really the key was mm. writer director. Uh, they really wanted to see you make your own film. And cinematographers don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Right. Uh, <laughs> they have to just like come up with something of their own. So it's a, it's always really fun to watch um like cinematography faculty. Uh, uh-huh. You know, you, you'll be at a portfolio review, 
And uh, the program director will say, well, this should really be your movie. And a cinematographer professor will start kind of squirming in his chair, <laughs> being like, uh -huh. cinematography is just as much a, part, a piece of any of it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, what, what, what's, a, what's a maker exactly? So uh, I would think almost producing almost would be that, um, that encapsulating uh, influence on the film. But, but I guess right. people don't think of it that way. Yeah, well, actually, in my MFA thesis review, uh, one of my advisors said, clearly, you're a good producer, but not an artist. And um, uh -huh. that was, <laughs> that stung a lot at the time. Um, now I kind of embrace that much more. So were you, you were producing like a lot of films or were you kind of really, did, did you start to pair up with uh, a few friends or how did, how did that work? Yeah, well, um, it was that sort of collegial atmosphere where we each worked on each other's um, projects and I sort of kept taking the producer's role of organizing and bringing the people in for it, coordinating. Um, and then, you know, one person's clearly got the eye for, for the cinematography, um, which I don't have. And that was probably my biggest mistake on my MFA <laughs> thesis was I shot it myself. Right? But isn't there an art to identifying creative people and kind of getting them all in the same room? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and sort of knowing who's going to work with what project and all that. Did so. you were you a, an avid script reader? Did you did you read uh, you know pick your projects carefully, or were you kind of like, hey, I want I'll produce anything? Yeah, that's sort of more of the I'll produce anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I think it's a good attitude when in Rome, yeah. right? Yeah, you can kind of make anything work. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, were you dabbling in in um, sexual themes back then, or or did that come later? Uh, that came later, and actually, I credit part of. My um, first sort of industry job out of film school was um, as a programmer for public television oh, in wow. a small, fairly conservative market. Um, so I spent most of my time studying the uh, content advisories. So I became very well versed with what was forbidden and um, I kind of credit that for setting me off on this track of going against it. Um, so you're sitting there going like, wait a minute, this is banned and, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're dwelling on the fact that it's kind of ridiculous and, you know, what is the public so afraid of? And right. that's when you start to go, man, I would really like to, to uh, <laughs> make some unleashed stuff. It wasn't really conscious, but I think it was their building at the time. Um, and then when I moved to New York um, in late 90s, sort of hit it right when all the indie film stuff was, you know, really hot and yeah. then landed just in time for all the sort of blow apart. But, um, I was working in development reading a lot of scripts and the production company was fairly conservative as well. So <laughs> I kept setting aside these scripts I love that had sex in them. And I started going to film festivals and finding that all the films I was seeking out had had to do with sexuality. And, um, so started thinking about, that as my focus as a producer and um and unfortunately leaped into producing on my own just as i said when all the funding started falling apart and right so um so and shifted my attention more towards the festival which i kind of stumbled on and it was so thrilling as opposed to you know spending years doing script notes on projects that never got produced um, it was kind of a, Hey, let's put on film festival and mm. it happened and people came and it broke even, you know, all that good stuff. So. That wasn't Cinekink though, was it? Or, or was it? Uh, it was not. There was, um, something called the New York SM film festival. So it was even more targeted. 
and that was with a group called the Oil and Spiegel Society in New York, um, which is a support and education group for S&M uh, practitioners. So, and th- this was dur- this is still during like mid nineties. Uh, this was late nineties. Yeah. I mean, that was still a big time for for indie film and and for uh, provocative content. Uh, yeah. I mean, not that you know. Obviously, now anybody can make a movie. Therefore, you can find anything you want. But the uh, you know, the mid nineties, the ones that stick out to me are things like, I mean, basically the Miramax, boom, mm-hmm. boom. You know, the Go Fish, uh, Sex Lies and Videotape, uh, the, kind of that that family of film. Exactly. Um, and I think that really did. I, I think you're, I, you know, like how much lesbian cinema was out there before then. Um, I, I wouldn't yeah. say a lot. Mm-mm. Um, or even gay. Or mm-hmm. a, yeah, anything. You're right, exactly. Um, right. So, uh, so, so that was the big boom there, and and it also seemed like there was a, a period of time. It was almost kind of like a a, a second coming of the '70s, where <laughs> um, independent films were somewhat marketable. Right. That was definitely sort of still that speculative boom. Yeah. Where you were looking to find the next swingers. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, where you know you'd get in cheap and then sell it for millions and then that would make millions and billions yeah um and then that kind of like the interesting thing for me is a lot of the directors i was tracking and working with at the time are now big on hbo oh is that right i see those names all the time like alan taylor um was working with him on a really sweet project that we tried for years to get set up um and lost track of him and then started seeing his name on Game of Thrones. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And now he's directing, uh, I think, Thor 2. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I totally, totally know that guy. Um, isn't that funny that HBO ends up being kind of the breeding ground for a lot of these kinds of creators? Right. Um, because, because, because movies, you know, at least, you know, like 3,000 screen movies just aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a total audience for 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 this uh, this backward stuff. Not that Game of Thrones is particular. Well, of course it is actually. I mean, there's incest. There's um, oh yeah. You know, there's everything. So um, that's really cool. So when do you so so you're doing the S and uh, M fest? Um, uh-huh. And and there's no. I mean, you're not bringing in money. You're breaking even, but it's creative creatively fulfilling. Right. Um, and it was for uh, an organization, and you know, sort of ran into wanting to do something that was totally my own that I had control over because, mm-hmm. you know, you have to run these things by board and um, often you'll find working with nonprofit boards that you're spending as much time managing the board as you are on <laughs> your end result. Um, so, and I was also finding at the time I'd become interested in s moving to New York. Yeah. I don't know if that's a natural progression, but um, that's, <laughs> that's what, what everybody does. Yes, that's what <laughs> does when you land in New York. Um, but I was starting to become more interested in just sex positivity in general and open relationships. Um, so kind of wanted to expand the festival out from just SM and, um, and then practically it was, it was difficult putting together a whole festival just related to SM. So, yeah, sure. Um, so my co-founder who I'd worked with that festival on, um, I happened to come up with the name Cinecake and ran home and the domain was available and uh that's how cine king was born did i tell you how i found out about it no um so i was still in the middle of my mfa program and um i went to um shoot i why the hell can't i uh anna fetter 
Um, okay. Yeah, she's she's our she was the programmer at Boston Underground, Uh Um, and she was also she's available at Emerson for students who need some guidance about what to do with their projects. So um, I scheduled something with her, and she was kind of like between meals, so she like didn't really have like time for me. (laughs) And um, (laughs) and plus I had a feature. I'm the I was the pain in the ass kid with a feature. Um, Because you know it's like hey could you watch this? It's like I don't know when. this is an hour and a half and everything. But I, I sat down and she said, well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not going to get into Boston Underground. And I was like, why? Um, you know, I it made it down mm. the street and whatnot. And she's like, it's just not fucked up enough. And um, <laughs> I was like, it's not? Because I had just spent the last two years being told by my, my, stu- you know, my fellow students and my faculty that, like, exactly. you know, basically being kind of like all of them being a little f- flipped out by me. Mm-hmm. And um, and she's like, well, yeah, but at Boston Underground, we make stuff that makes people's skin peel. <laughs> and I was like, and she's like, you've right. made kind of a sweet little movie here. And I was like, oh yeah, I mean that was kind of my goal. But um, I she was uh, she was like, all right, well, bye. And I was like, well, wait a minute, like wh- what what other festivals uh, could we look at? And she kind of, I kind of got her to go over the to the <laughs> to the computer, and and then she <laughs> she started laughing to herself. And I was like, what? And she's like, well, there's this one there. I, I, I know this one programmer, uh, Lisa Vandiver, she puts on this really hilarious festival called Cinekink. And she <laughs> kept laughing over and over again. I was like, what? Where, where, where is this Cinekink? It sounds like I have a home there. Um, and yeah, I told, you were one of, uh, of many that I submitted to, um, but you were the first to get back to us. And um, we were in the long list of, uh, of selections. I was like, oh, this is so awesome. And then uh, we, of course, screened and it was just a whole bunch of fun. And then I was like, well, I'm, I, now, I, now I can just sit back and wait for the other uh, <laughs> acceptances. And they didn't come for a long, long time. And the only one that didn't eventually come up was Sid- Sydney Underground in Australia. Okay. And actually, I, we went over there, and that was, that was a blast, too. Oh, great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And that led to distribution of the movie. But, um, but yeah. So that what f- other festivals did you get in? Was that Just the two. Um, yeah. Just those two. Yeah, okay. I, I think I submitted to like 20. Um, I mean, festivals are, are a tricky bastard. Yeah. Um, that's partly why I have you on the show is, is, um, you're an accessible, uh, uh, film festival programmer and somebody who, uh, who loves it, who, who really enjoys the process. And I don't know that that's the case with every programmer. Um, I, I think it is the case for a good majority. Mm-hmm. Um, like we sort of have our evil cabal that meet in private. Um, and I, <laughs> I know that most of them are equally passionate about film, um, and aren't making a ton of money off this and do this as their love. Sure. I'd say that's the majority of them. Yeah, that's definitely what I ran into in Sydney. Yeah. Um, anytime I get into one, I'm like, these people are great. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I think your film, like many of the ones that Cinekink programs, fall through the cracks. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why we're here. Like, I forget. I'll talk to somebody and they'll be like, you know, my film's not getting in anywhere else. They say there's too much nudity, and I'll be like, "Wait, there's nudity in it?" You know, because I, <laughs> I just sort of forget. <laughs> but why the fuck would a why would a film festival, something that is not, you know, an AMC movie theater, why right. why would that fear too much nudity? Something as simple as too much nudity. Uh, yeah, I mean, isn't that the the whole? Is, it, shouldn't festivals be the home of that kind of stuff? You would think so, but it kind of seems like outside of the LGBT circuit where mm. it's quite accepted and a lot of the things we show also show there if right. they're of that orientation. Right. But there's really very few festivals, you know, aside from the big ones like 
Sundance and South by Southwest um, will show. But I think a lot of the regional ones are very squeamish about that because they're relying on their support from like the lo- local arts and yeah. civic organizations. Yeah. Well, that's just it, right? It's like yeah. ultimately you end up having the same problems that television and mainstream films have, which is at the end of the day, you have some kind of boss, you have some kind of sponsorship that right. um, that you have to answer to. Mm-hmm. Um, now, talk about that with Cineking. So obviously you have sponsorship, but you have the right sponsors. Um, we do. And we're, although, you know, I would love to move that a little bit over to the mainstream. Mm. So we have um, appreciate the sponsors that we do have. But I'd also like to see, you know, well, I did pitch Burger King one year and they had their <laughs> submissive chicken campaign. <laughs> it's like, that's a perfect tie-in. Yeah. Um, didn't hear back from them. When, you, when you're done with your rape fantasy, come over and have a, a Whopper. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, don't you feel, but if, if you were to get a Burger King or, or a, a larger sponsor, wouldn't you fear um, that you would suddenly have to start answering to them in the same way that these other festivals do? Um, that's probably a fear. It's probably not going to happen. So I'm not yeah. really about yeah. that. Yeah. Or like, you know, our own official airline or something. Right. Um, instead of that, we're trying to find like our official lube. And, you know. Appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many, um, how many submissions do you get a year normally? Um, it's not, it's usually around like 150. Yeah. 100. So, do you, I mean, that's still a lot of movies to, to, to watch though. Right. Um, do you watch all of them? Do you have a little group? I still do. It's still sort of like not enough to parcel off. And yeah. then also I'm a control freak. So I found the times I have delegated to other people. And so like, oh, I better watch this one. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And just in putting, cause I put together the final program. So, yeah. And that's a lot of the joy that, like you said, that yeah. you get out of making I love the, that part. Yeah, so right. I'm going to give that away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, it's, it's so fun for me. Like, and I go through this every year and I always panic and I'm like, Oh, there's nothing here. It's not going to work. And then like a couple of films will come in and then I start seeing what things will match up to what. And, um, it's really exciting. Do you watch the, like the entire thing of every single movie or do you have sort of a rule? Like, you know, if they can't get me in 15 minutes and they're not going to have my audience. Um, the only time I stop watching if, is if I'm sure it's not a Cinecink film. Yeah. Um, like what happens this is surprising how many of films we get coming through like without a box where, and it's usually like first time filmmakers who are like, I'm just going to submit to everything. Right. Right. They don't read the description and you know, they'll send us something about, you know, the destruction of the rainforest or, you know, it's clearly there's no sex. Yeah. Um, the destruction yeah, of the rainforest. Every once in a while, I have to like fast forward just to make sure there's no sex. But you could, yeah, you could almost in a in a rainforest film, there could be some kind of botanical fucking scene or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <clears throat> Give me. You just Back. gave me an idea. Now, now I got to go start a Kickstarter just for right. that. Um, and then the other side we get are um, probably the ones that Anna and the Underground Film Festivals love are the ones where there's a lot of blood and evisceration and. Um, it's just not, we're about consent. Right. Um, so I, I still have to look at those to see if there's some like ironic play or how they're working it. But Well, suppose it's <clears throat> consensual blood play, though. Right, right. Yeah, if it's set up that... Um, that there that, is consent. Right. Um, and that it's a totally positive and safe sort of thing. 
Right. Um, do you kind of winking at the audience? Yeah. yeah. You you screen um, one thing you know. So I went for two years in a row, right? And mm-hmm. um and 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 you're right. There's a um, there's a flow to the night. Um, you know, some there there's a short selection. Normally, you end, end the movie, end the night off with a feature, um, and and they're they're structured in a way that kind of brings you up, brings you down, um, takes you on a little ride, mm-hmm. um, and there there's pornography in there. There's kind of art film in there. There's funny um, sort of just back and forth dialogue pieces, and then there's also kind of like uh, artful pornography uh, through a lot of the festival. Right. Um, you know, I found that with. Um, there was a there was a film this year called Crutch that was um, mm-hmm. it was handicapped porn, um, but it wasn't just that. It was also it was sort of cutting to these uh, the shots of this this girl that suffered from CP just kind of walking through New York and then mm-hmm. cut back to what she does in her bedroom. It was kind of cool. Right. Um, um, there's a lot of fun stuff like that at the fest. Yeah, I really try to mix it up and try to ignore like what I see as sort of the artificial barrier of like porn and. I never know what to, is it indie film is it mainstream film you know yeah you don't even worry about that right um, so you know we might have a documentary paired with something that might be considered porn right at another place um, the only place where we specifically focus on porn is our Saturday afternoon uh, we do what we call Pornapalooza mm-hmm. so we'll do documentaries focusing on porn and then we have a bring it competition where we do excerpts um directors submit to us and it's it's a showdown and the audience picks the best out of the six or seven excerpts um and that that partly grew out of it's very difficult to sit through with an audience a full-length porn produced today because they're not produced for a theater audience yeah of course i mean you know most porn you kind of hop around the file right (laughs) you know it's an interactive experience um Do uh, how do you choose your jurors? You 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 had a, a number of jurors each year. How do you choose those? Right. Um, well, a couple of them come back every year, um, and they're here and they're willing to look through the films, and I trust their judgment, and they can kind of work with um, the incoming jurors. Uh, try to have a returning filmmaker who doesn't have a film in the festival. Oh, okay. Um, and then often it's just another festival programmer or journalist writing and saying, Hey, I want to come. Yeah. So, well, yeah. shit, I have a chance to be a juror then. You do. You do indeed. <laughs> um, your audience, the, the audience that shows up to that festival loves it. Um, <laughs> they lean into every single film. Um, you, you've, you know, there's gotta be that horror every night that nobody's going to show up. Oh yeah. And, um, and yet they, they pack it and then, and they love every damn second of it. Yeah, and that's great. Uh, that's taken a while to build to that, though. So talk, uh, t- talk about that process of going from, I want to make a, you know, I, I want to make a sex-positive film festival 10 years ago to people are, are looking forward to it every single year. Right. Uh, well, you know, 10 years out, um, my co-founder and I, you know, we had sort of the format from doing the Hassan Festival, but then moving forward where it's, you know, on us, we're fi- financing it. Uh, the first year was a little scary, <laughs> and yeah. um, I think we did lose a little bit of money that year. And that was also the year Michael's like, you know, this isn't really my game. And I bought him out and got all his great artwork because he's a wonderful graphic designer um, that we still use today. 
And but it's been, you know, over the years building up to I think it really only started popping like two years ago. So we would it's much easier with the like SM targeted kink, you know, specifically BDSM programs. Those because they're a niche audience, we tend to do better with those. Right. Um, and I find when it's more generally just about sex, um, like yours was a little harder to promote just cause it's like, who's the crowd for that? Yeah. Right. But now that we have the Cinegate crowd, they kind of, because they trust our programming, they show up not for a lot, a lot of things they might not have showed up for in the past. They, I, I got a lot of nice words after the screening of sexually Frank about, um, like in a way it was kind of like. You know, they go there for, for a lot of that outrageous content. And then after about an hour and a half of it, maybe it, get, it starts to get a little, um, like, it starts to, to wear on you a little bit because it's intense. Mm-hmm. And then there's this movie that's, like, a little bit sweet. Um, right. And that seemed to kind of work for them. Like, I, I, I think that the movie, if my movie had played just by itself, um, as opposed to being kind of a, you know, in contrast to other things that were programmed, I don't think it would have played as well. Um, hmm. So that was kind of interesting, and that, that's happened a number of times as well. Like even I think Vibes is kind of a like a little bit of a tamer film than the other two that were uh, surrounding right. it, and so it kind of gave everybody a moment to be like, okay, well that relaxed me before they went into if you remember, Mommy is coming, which was right. which was hella intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, the funny thing about that, I I talked to uh, the filmmakers of Vibes on this podcast, uh, but what was funny about that was they they're like a little bit conservative, or at least I didn't. It wasn't clear to me how much or little they were conservative. And so I'm sitting there like, you know, I've seen everything. I don't give a shit. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm sitting there <clears throat> worried about my, uh, <laughs> my fellow filmmakers. And, uh, right. it, uh, we've, you gave them a memory that will last forever. Oh, good. <laughs> so okay. Hopefully they'll come back next year. Um, how about the, the, the anthology film archives? Have you always screened there? Um, we have, um, starting with SM Fest. Um, so I've been with them for 13 years. And that originally started because, like, back in the day, there weren't any other theaters that were willing to take us on. So, and um, that actually became an issue with um, Crutch this year. Oh, is that right? Which, as you said, it's disabled or porn centered around disability. Right, the, the building needed to be handicap accessible. The building is not handicap accessible. So um, so we had originally screened or scheduled that for the Saturday night upstairs and then realized that there were a lot of people who wanted to see this. And so we added it to your screening, which I think helped a lot. Yeah. Because um, weekday night it's easier to do something in the smaller theater that's downstairs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's something we're really going to have to look at going forward. Um, but, you know, there aren't a lot of venues in New York, surprisingly. Weird, uh, right? Yeah, you would think that, yeah. that you, we would be swarmed by them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are a couple of the indie, like, landmark theaters, but um, the costs in renting those out are just prohibitive. Yeah. Because so, we're four-walling the, the New York. Um, we're able to be a little more flexible on our tour because other markets you can do split revenues, but, um, in New York, you have to rent the theater out. So I know, I know so little about the tours, uh, and I want to know a lot more. So talk about that. Cause I, 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 you know, 
it's obvious that uh, the February, the big February New York screenings are kind of the central event mm-hmm. for Cinekink. But then talk about Vegas and everything else. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of varies from it varies from year to year just based on the programming. But um, yeah, New York's our anchor, and then out of that, we'll do we have like five different like Chicago, D.C. We've done L.A., San Francisco, um, Portland. That's where I'm from. Um, so some places we've done like a tour day, three day mini fest. Um, actually, I'm kind of moving most of the cities to just a one day like the best of Cynic Inc. shorts program Yep. and then sometimes a feature um, just because I find like the attention span to try to get people out yeah of um, course it's better to say you know we're here one night come or not you know that's your one chance um, I've sort of found the attendance for like a one night is about the same as a three day event so yeah and, and and what about the you know I, I guess you sort of just talked with them but what about, I mean you're you're a shorts and features mixed fest, um, what are the challenges in programming that I mean do you have to you really sort of have to make that decision right about if I'm going to program this feature then it means that potentially ten shorts don't get programmed right and um, yeah and the shorts are often where a lot of the brilliance is and yeah. people love the shorts programs uh, so yeah it has to be a pretty strong feature to get in there. That, that, and it kind of depends from year to year. Like, like a couple of years ago, it was all oh, so many strong features, and then this past year, it was mostly shorts. No. So yeah, it really I, just depends on what's coming in the door or what I can find at other festivals. Um, so, and then you know, some stuff just bypasses us completely, and maybe we're we're not really hung up on premiere status. Like some right. festivals have to have the premiere, but. You know, yeah, that makes it so much easier that you don't care about that um, yeah. for for the filming. I, I I wish everybody would just can that whole idea. <laughs> I I just don't think a lot of people are coming based on oh I'm the first person in the world to see this. But no, it's but, it's fun to tout, but it's not required. It's not how you're attracting your audience, really. No, um, you're attracting them because of the theme of the fest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um. So. Uh, do you, I mean, touring is kind of a year-long process. I mean, you're almost never kind of done with this festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and are you still just kind of breaking even, or is it still just for the love of it, or, or are you able to kind of survive with this festival? Um, it's it's breaking even if I don't count a lot of the soft stuff like travel. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's why I tend to travel to places take the festival to places I want to go anyway. That you want to go on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, like right now is kind of the lull and now we're just building up and starting to book our summer tour dates and into the fall. And then, you know, around August is when we start our call for 2014. Right. So, so there's really not any time that I'm totally away from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, so it's a good thing I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, that's. I mean, that. I, I don't know if everybody thinks of festival programmers as really similar to filmmakers, which is it's 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 a labor of love. Um, yeah. For for almost everybody. Um, right. But I think for that reason, it, it it you know it's it's too bad that there can't be more um, simpatico over uh, you know like hey I'm doing it for the love you're doing it for the love if only we could satisfy what everybody's doing. But maybe what we need is we need more curators. We need more film programmers like you um i'm out there is that right yeah 
Yeah, definitely out there. Um, and I know there's been a lot of talk lately on IndieWire and different places about, oh, the festival systems just sucking filmmakers dry. And It's true, um, man. It's damn true. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. you know, if when... <laughs> I spent way more on the uh, on the festival submissions for Sexually Frank than on the movie itself, and same right. for, same for Vibes. I mean, way more. And and um, you do start to get this sense that you know y- you're not angry at any any one festival except for the mm-hmm. ones that don't respond to you at all, right? Um, because I think for a fifty to sixty dollars submission fee, you can send an email. Yeah. Um, you don't have to say why I didn't get in. You right. just have to just say I didn't get in. Um, uh-huh. So you're not hearing anything at all from some festivals? Occasionally, yeah. I, th- I think one of them was Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Film Festival. Just nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's like there's that sad moment where, uh, like, you're kind of checking up on some of your festivals, and it just mm-hmm. vanishes on without a box. It's just not there anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the case of, uh, like, some festivals, you'll go to their website and see what is programmed and notice you're not on there. This is like, ugh, you know, it's just, uh, you feel like you've you've now donated to a film festival that didn't treat you respectfully. Yeah. Uh, well, the problem is there are uh, several really, really bad festivals out there that really screwed up for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you may have just named one um, <laughs> that tend to be just sort of awards mills yeah. where they just sort of make up a bunch of fake awards and give them out. Maybe not even do a screening. Um yeah, so. there's a few. Yeah, I've I've heard of that. That's that's particularly scammy. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't run into that before. There's a few maybe myths, maybe truths that I've heard. Um, uh, one being that anything submitted there's there's the WAB extended deadline without a box extended deadline um, right. that I think anybody pr- uh, registered without a box has to abide by. Yes, and it's kind of it's kind of generally um, resented by programmers. I'm told and. Uh, some people will just kind of toss those out if they're if they're submitted too late. I'm sure you wouldn't, but that's something no, I've heard. I haven't really heard that. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, programmers want to find good content, so they'll look anywhere. They'll look. Yeah. Um, our, our pet peeves are the blind request for a waiver. <laughs> where oh, yeah. I have like children's movies request a waiver for Cinecink. Really? <laughs> to the point where I'm just tempted to put together a program. Of- <laughs> but um you know if, if you're approaching a festival and asking a waiver you, know, you should at least know who the festival is and give them a good reason and it's not i'm broke and i've spent all this money on other festivals right of course not it's like oh wait you're coming to me like down the line yeah um you know. see it's like, it, it's a lot like dating isn't it <laughs> yeah right do you look at uh do you look to other festivals for for where they do the content they got do you ever reach out to filmmakers and say please come to yeah. our festival um you know like i was at south by southwest this year and there are a couple program films that might work from that and then uh there are a couple of sex related festivals but not very many definitely look through their program the lgbt festivals kind okay. of call through and yeah, I'm pretty good at discerning the coded <laughs> descriptions for, Oh, yeah. that might be I mean, that's what I've had to, um, uh, that's something I have learned is that, that if you can luck out on a festival or two, the ball rolls a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, and, and, but it really, you do need that kind of initial luck and, and I don't know how to, 
other than researching the festival, of course, and researching the program, I, I like to research the programmer a, a lot of the time, right? Um, because I know that they'll be the ones watching, and and they're the ones who are doing it, like you, for as a labor of love. Mm-hmm. So so they care. Um, aside from doing that kind of research, I don't know how to increase my luck any other way than uh, uh, submitting a lot. And um, I want to have the funds to submit a lot, so I keep my budget low. Right. Um, I don't think that harms the. The, pro- the the final film. Um, I know how to make a movie for no money. Uh, mm-hmm. Not everybody does, but that that's my general strategy. Um, it's kind of like a, it's like working with credit card debt or something. <laughs> so, right. The whole thing is is this wild investment. Um, but uh, but but I I can't thank you enough for having me two years in a row. And uh, um, the next movie has nothing to do with sex, so it's like uh, I'll have to either be a juror or yeah. um, or just come to the damn festival. That's good too. Yeah, and bring some friends. Yeah, I mean that's that's such a great thing is just having this audience and the filmmakers come together, and it's it's a really exciting time for me. Yeah, you've done, you've done something really cool with that festival. I think anybody in the New York area or anybody even right outside should should go and um and just uh, have a really good night. You you normally screen sort of in one one week, normally from like a right. Tuesday to a Sunday almost, and there's par- mm-hmm. parties and whatnot for the filmmakers as well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you have, have you like introduced filmmakers before? Have you kind of had some success with that? Yeah. I mean, it depends year to year who comes, but, um, we've had some good, uh, courtships and relationships, um, artistically. And then I think somebody also got married through Cine King. Oh, so really? That's yeah. You're impacting lives. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, people can go to cinekink.com. They can see stuff from last year, uh, mm-hmm. or previous years. Um, I believe you even linked to trailers from what was uh, what was uh, presented, and uh, some right. some are even you know uh, on Vimeo in full. So um, you can right. kind of get a glance at what Cinekink has to offer, and um, and of course if you're a filmmaker and and you you are interested in, in sex positivity and sex related themes, um, you're crazy if you don't submit. Um, and you guys are on without a box, obviously. We are. And they should check you out. Yeah, please do. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, so. Find us everywhere. That's my final question. How how much has social media changed? That you said the last two years they that bumped. Yeah, you up. I think that's made a big difference. It's got to have. Yeah, um, uh, and you know I think it's just sort of an exciting time for more indie and niche festivals and filmmakers because it's easier to reach your audience. Yeah, as opposed to going through that and it's at, mainstream at, filter. You know, <laughs> so. it's at Cinekink, right on Twitter. Uh, Seneca, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Lisa. This was so much fun. I hope that it was cool for you. Yeah. And make another kinky movie soon. Yeah. Well, now I have to, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll talk to you later and uh, best of luck with the tour. Thanks so much. Good luck to you. <laughs>